Awareness is power. And it could save your life. Welcome to our podcast, No Risks. I'm Heather. And I'm Lee. We're two moms, a lawyer and a nurse, who were brought together by a misfortune. Both our children were harmed by adverse drug reactions. The purpose of this podcast is to educate people on the risk of any health treatments you put in or on your body. We feel if we'd been properly informed and been our own experts, our children would not have been harmed. In today's world, with medicines being incentivized for profits, you need to educate yourself. Know the risk of health treatments, and it could protect yourself and your loved ones from being harmed. After a severe reaction to fluoroquinolones and macrobid, Dana Wald is now fighting to rebuild her body and her life after spending four years bedridden. I was constantly in a coma-like state on the couch. I experienced extreme weight loss. I lost 20 pounds within a matter of weeks. Before Ferdinand Dirsch, or Fadi, got sick, he loved going to concerts, skiing, and spending time in nature. After he had finished school in Germany, he was prescribed moxifloxacin for sinusitis and developed a full range of serious and life-limiting side effects. I had electricity running through my body and I had chest pain. Um, I had panic attacks. I had severe panic attacks and paranoia. Their story, which we will hear in just a few moments, is one of tragedy and hope and is a testament to the flawed health system in the U.S. and in Europe. So thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope that you get as much out of this conversation as Lee and I did. All right, we are so pleased to have two guests with us today to share their story. Um, Dana and Fadi, saying that correctly, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll get it right. Um, They're joining us today from from Germany. Really interesting story um, behind this, although they're in Germany today with us. Um, Dana's mother, who was a true advocate for her, um, Lori, um, a couple years ago, I got, I believe she emailed a reporter who did a story about what had happened to Shay and um his um, horrific experience with fluoroquinolones, in his case, Levaquin. And um, I got this email, and she said she was in the neighboring town. We're in a small community that she was right next door, but she had taken her daughter, Dana, um, to a doctor in California um, for issues um, from her, from from the effects of, of the fluoroquinolone she took. And we'll talk about that today. Um, but this doctor in California had actually told her to get in touch with me. I, I don't know him personally, but I think he uses some materials that I've generated on his website and in his um, literature, which is what this is all about, you know, spreading the word and having a support community to reach out to so that when your intuition, or as we've been calling it, hunch is that you might have had an adverse effect in this case to a fluoroquinolone, um, that you can be validated because it's so difficult and, and, you know, we're going to hear a lot of these stories, but when you're not getting that type of validation from your healthcare provider, um, sometimes even from families or others around you, it can be very difficult and really add to the, the stress and just the horrific experience 
of having a toxic reaction, especially to these drugs, which, you know, in, in my case, these drugs were the drugs that, you know, proved fatal for my son and for Lee's daughter, put her on uh, just years of, of dealing with the effects of taking them. So we're so happy to have you two here today. I've never um, got to talk to Dana. I've always talked to your mother, but we've grown a friendship over the past couple of years. And a lot of the topic is about you, <laughs> not about potty. <laughs> so, yes. mm-hmm. um, we're just really excited today to hear your story. So um, I guess I'll just, you know, let one of you start. I don't, you know, I know what I've heard from from your mother. Um, but, you know, but um, would just love to hear it in, in your own words. And, and Fadi, I know you, how you two met and you've experienced these horrific effects, too. So we just want to hear from you both. So, OK, um, I guess it's hard to explain where mine starts, because I have taken fluoroquinolones on and off since I was 12. Um, I was first prescribed Lubequin at 12 years old, which I took that twice, and then I've taken Cipro um, at least five to six times throughout my life. And I had never connected the dots at the time that some of the issues I was having, you know, in my late teens, early 20s was could be related to taking these drugs. Um, it was nothing that affected my life at the time. Um, I was just having some worsening digestive issues, reactive hypoglycemic issues. Um, I started getting chronic stiff necks in my 20s, which just seemed like something I shouldn't be experiencing at that age. Um, muscle twitching and some worsening anxiety and panic attacks that I was experiencing. Um But I was still very active. I never connected it to taking those at the time. Um, I was a performing musician in Chicago. I was working out, you know, four to five times a week. Sometimes I had my own dog walking company and I lived in an apartment in Chicago. Um, And then in December, um, December 23rd of 2017, I had a UTI, um, urinary tract infection. And I went into a CVS minute clinic, um, which was just a couple days before Christmas. I wanted to be feeling better for Christmas. And she prescribed me macrobid, um, nitrofurantoin, it's also called. And this, what I later learned was basically just the nail in the coffin for me. Um, it was, I reached my tolerance threshold by taking fluoroquinolones so often for so many years And then within a day of taking Macrobit, I started noticing some very strange effects happening. I was having chills very bad. I started developing extreme night sweats. Um, I had very bad digestive distress. And then I started getting extreme bouts of vertigo. And I'm not talking like you feel a little dizzy. I'm talking about you feel like you've been on a spinning carnival ride for a half hour straight that would just come out of nowhere when I would just be standing or sitting. And I had never experienced anything like that in my entire life. Um, I started getting rashing on my face. And then um, a couple nights before New Year's Eve, I was driving to a show, a concert that my band was playing in Chicago. And I started seeing spots just when I was looking at the stoplight when I was waiting for it to change. Um, It was very disturbing. It was almost like flashes of light. And then 
I'd see spots everywhere. And then I noticed it when I was on stage, I was seeing them everywhere. Just, I can't even really describe what it was like. Um, And then at this point, I knew that something was seriously wrong. And I went online and started searching for side effects of macrobed. And what I was reading was extremely disturbing. And it sounded very similar to what I had going on. But then I also started reading things about lung scarring that it can cause uh, respiratory failure. Um, So that was very scary for me to see. And that's when I stumbled across the FQ toxicity where I started seeing images and videos of people in wheelchairs losing their ability to walk. And I was just like, what am I reading? Like this is caused from antibiotics. I've never heard of this. I've been taking this my entire life on and off. Um, So that was so terrifying to see. And then I immediately stopped taking it, hoping within a couple of days that it would just resolve since I thought if I stopped it, then it just wouldn't continue getting worse. But, um, It just kept getting worse from there. A week later, I was running on the treadmill at the gym and I all of a sudden started to feel sharp pains in both of my shins and it felt like somebody was taking a sledgehammer to both of my legs. Um, I immediately had to stop running. I felt like I was going to collapse. I couldn't make it back to the locker room, barely to my car. Um, And then a couple days after that, I was driving my car in the city And I all of a sudden lost feeling in my arms and my legs while I was driving on the expressway. Um, I had to pull over. I immediately took my phone and called my mom. I was completely panicking. I didn't know what was happening. I felt like I couldn't feel my entire body. My mom rushed to Chicago and she took me to urgent care um, where I, of course, presented what I had found with the side effects and said, I recently took it. And they said, there's absolutely no way that it can cause this since you discontinued the drug. It has nothing to do with it. They ran all these tests. They said my blood work was completely normal and that there was nothing they could do. Um, And then after that is when it just started continuing to get worse. Um, I noticed I could no longer stay awake during the day. I was constantly in a coma-like state on the couch, um, I started experiencing hallucinations, um, extreme psychosis and paranoia, just nonstop overwhelming fear, um, extreme digestive distress, like somebody had lit my intestines on fire is the only way I can describe it. Um, I experienced extreme weight loss. I lost 20 pounds within a matter of weeks. Um, my skin was burning. It felt like I was being burned alive or like someone was clawing at my skin with constant pins and needles feeling all over my body. Um, I lost all strength in my arms. And then I slowly over the months just lost all of my physical ability altogether. I had to quit my job. I could no longer drive. I had to move back in with my parents. Um, I eventually was taking less and less steps. I just could no longer walk at one certain point, walk distances. Um, I couldn't hold my arms up to take a shower. During um, this time frame, were you getting, were you seeing doctors? It just, just sounds so much like my son's story. I mean, just identical, you know, in, in terms of the trajectory of what what you're experiencing. There really um, is just, when you hear everyone's story, it's, there's a so many similarities just 
and what happened. I mean, even his. And I was going to a functional doctor I started going to in March. Um, He had no idea about fluoroquinolone toxicity, but he was doing everything in his power to try to help me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was taking so many supplements, but just nothing was getting better. It just kept Mm -hmm. worsening. Um, And my sister was getting married at that point, and I you know, I missed out on all of that. I couldn't be a part of any of her stuff. And then I just barely made it to her wedding. I was able to go to her wedding in May of 2018. Um, but then after that, I started experiencing extreme breathing issues. And that's when it got to the point where my family said, we need to go get some serious help for this. And then they started driving me to different places all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. I could, I had extreme, I still have, and I had extreme respiratory muscle weakness, um, which kept weakening, making it harder to breathe. I could no longer sing. Um, and that's when we started just going to different places. And I had several treatments to have that done. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we got back from getting treatments, the issues just kept getting worse. Um, and that's when I ended up going to the ER two different times. Um, I failed the pulmonary function tests um, at two different hospitals. They said I had severe restricted breathing and generalized weakness, but they had absolutely no explanation as to why. Um, They held me at a hospital in Chicago. And then, of course, when they asked me what was going on, I always brought up. I And I always knew it was from taking that. I didn't know it wasn't nothing else. They thought maybe I was having a myasthenia gravis crisis. Um, they thought I had Lyme disease, but nothing ever showed on the test. And then they started to send in the entire psych team um, mm-hmm. of five or six people that were questioning why I thought this could still be from the drug when it had been, you know, 10, 11 months at that point since I took it. Isn't that interesting too, that that's, that's the intervention when a patient is consistent with what they believe caused them to be, you know, feeling the way they are is that it's an immediate um, entry into the mental health system. Yes. And it was, I mean, they had five or six people come in. I was laying in the hospital, but they were all standing around me. And I mean, they made me feel like I was just imagining all of it. They made my entire family feel like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so hard. And just not even, you know, just even if you don't necessarily know what it is, not even taking the time to even, because it's all there if you look it up online or just look into it. There's so many people that this is happening to, but just Mm -hmm. even the unwillingness to even acknowledge it or talk about it is just, Mm -hmm. you know. um, You're suffering so much and then to not be heard and um, somebody to take the time and... um, there is, there was at that time, 2017, when you started to piece it together and good for you for doing that, there was literature that supported that the, um, the reaction is often delayed and it continues long after you've stopped the medication. But that was my experience too, is that the doctors don't look at that. And they're the first thing they do jump to, like Heather said, and like you said, is maybe there's something wrong with her. Why is she thinking this, you know, and you know, it's, it's so hard. It's all it in is. your mind. It, yeah. And then, you know, that's, I mean, that's one of the hardest parts of this entire thing. And after that, you know, as sick as I felt and every day I felt like I wasn't going to make it another day, I just didn't even want to go to the hospitals anymore. Um, 
And then in December of 2018, that was the last time I sought any sort of treatment because there was just nothing anybody was offering or acknowledging besides the couple doctors I did see that have treated patients successfully. Um, but after with, that with point, this issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but after that point, it was December of 2018. I became completely bedridden. I could no longer leave the house. I, um, was in bed every day. I, laid down to eat. I could barely eat and only tolerate just a couple of foods. I got down to 89 pounds. Um, I had a bedside toilet. I couldn't make it 20 feet to get to the bed. Um, my mom and dad had to wash my hair with a device laying down on the bed. Um, I couldn't have any visitors. I had extreme sound and light sensitivity. Even people talking in the same room was too much stimulation for me. Um, it continued with the psychosis, delirium, hallucinations. I started to get derealization and depersonalization where I didn't even recognize myself. I Mm -hmm. felt like I was hovering over my own body, just looking down at myself. I felt completely detached from my own body. I had shakes, tremors, electrical zaps, um, you know, and my dad was working to support us and my mom was my full-time 24-hour caregiver and she you know signed over to be my power of attorney because everybody was frightened we didn't know what was going to happen and yeah I mean I never would have got through it if it wasn't for my family so yeah she saved your life she She certainly did because I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to look at you know what happened in my family but unfortunately Shay did go into the mental health system um, which is so interesting and, and since then and some and and for those listening, really recommend Dr. Healy's podcast. But it's so interesting to me because we think about mental health and it was really scary for our family when he started, like you said, you were hallucinating, you know, anxiety, um, close to what we can, you know, label delirium. Um, but when someone hallucinates, um, Generally, the issue is they're having a, a, a drug reaction or they have a very high fever, you know, that, and that needs to be looked at because that hallucinations generally are not mental health issues. You might get, you know, paranoid or delusional, but when you're actually seeing things, you know, and this is something that doctors should know, you know, but instead, um, the reaction from doctors is either bipolar, schizophrenia, bipolar in my son's case, which didn't make sense at all. Um, And another um, cocktail of drugs that just adds to the toxicity that you're all, that you're, you know, you're already experiencing. Um, I'm just curious too, just to go back a bit. So you were 12 when you first received, was that Leviquin? Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, that's just amazing to me. You know, honestly, I mean, he said that yesterday. He's like, it should be. <laughs> that is off label for crime, children. Yeah. Um, Lee's daughter got it at 13. You know, and it's the weirdest thing because I just look back at every time I took these now, it makes so much sense. I just remember when I was 12 taking that, and it's like I remember laying in the basement and my arms like felt super heavy, and I just felt like 
a paranoia, just the weirdest thing. And it's like, you think, okay, maybe I have a high fever. It's from being sick, but you're also 12 years old. So you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And you don't think it's from a drug that your doctor gave you within 10 minutes of being there when you're 12 years old, you know, it's just, it's crazy. But now that I've know what I know and everything I've learned, I can look back and see all of these things, you know, right in front of my eyes, what happened every time I took it. And your mother, I mean, just to put this out there, this isn't, you know, a family, your, your mother was a nurse, correct? She was an x-ray technician. Okay. Um, yeah, but she worked she at the worked hospital. worked in the, at the hospital, yeah. I yeah. She worked that. For several years. And, mm-hmm. you know, she had never heard of this yeah, either. Yeah, but we're, we, we've always been told, or, you know, you respect the doctor's opinion. And if the doctor tells you you need an antibiotic and they prescribe one, you're not only that, you're going to a pharmacy, then it's being dispensed. So you're assuming it's safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you don't think something, sorry, that's handed out so freely and so easily like that yeah. could be something that could cause that type of catastrophic thing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, and there's so many more mild, even antibiotics or natural alternatives that are just never even talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And I don't know if you, I mean, have heard, like heard about informed consent, but I know for both Heather's son and my daughter, Charlie, like had we been told the side effects, you know, our, we, our kids wouldn't have taken that medication. And I'm assuming if your mother or you at the time, probably not you at that age, it would have been your mother, but had there been a list of side effects read, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been what else is available, <laughs> What are the alternatives? And this is a young woman who's getting this drug, though, from age 12 to when did this, when did you start having, um, feeling these effects? Well, I always, you know, I had issues on and off just growing up for things you, that I'm realizing now was not a normal way to feel when you were growing up. And I didn't know any differently because that's just how it was. And I thought, oh, everybody must feel this crappy all the time. I had no idea, but it's like when you take those on and off and every time you take an antibiotic, it alters your gut microbiome and it causes these symptoms. And it was never anything that I said, Oh, this could be from this drug. But then, you know, once I took that in December of 2017, that was just like the, the tolerance threshold for my body. When you um, were going through your journey after you made that connection, like, and you did go to the the emergency, you said a couple of times, were they trying to put more medication on or like, was it just like, we can't help you at all? Or what, what, what was, what was the advice? They did. I mean, they only suggested antidepressants or anti-anxieties. That was it. There was no, oh. I'm like, okay, I get it. You think I have mental health issues. Um, but what about my restricted breathing? You know, it's not mm-hmm. a normal thing for a 29 year old to be experiencing. Like why would I not have proper use of my lung muscles? It doesn't mm-hmm. make right. it, which seems to be a neuromuscular issue caused by these drugs yeah. I'm realizing, mm-hmm. but they didn't offer yeah. anything other than that. Wow. Mm-mm. Yeah. I know in my daughter's case, it was, um, they wanted steroids, you know, it was mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories because of the joint pain, but 
I know that that was one of the things that mm-hmm. we, we declined luckily, but I know that quite a few people that did get those that came out in that European um, meeting, advisory meeting that they had that a lot of people that took those almost got worse right after. Mm-hmm. Luck, did they yeah. almost try to give you? Yeah. I experienced it too, where they wanted to give me steroids, where I was at the hospital for allergic affection, uh, allergic reaction that I never had before. Um, right. And they wanted to give me steroids too. And I was telling them that, I can't take them because I was experiencing the side effects from that antibiotic that I had taken a couple months ago. And they were super dismissive of that too. And were saying like, I, I can promise you that can't be from it. It's such a long time ago. Yeah. Let's hear some of your story. Yeah. Um, so growing, growing up, I always had a lot of um, infections, especially tonsil infections and ear infections. And I was given antibiotics at least, I would say five, five to 10 times in my life before I ended up taking the fluoroquinolone. Um, And that happened in 2018. And that was the year I just finished school and I spent the summer and the whole year pretty much working um, different jobs to earn some money. And then in December of 2018, I um, got the sinus infection and I started to feel sick and I started um, not feeling good. So I went to my ENT doctor and, um, he prescribed me moxifloxacin, uh, Avalox, I think they also call it, um, 400 milligrams for one week, once a day. Um, and given the fact that I had taken antibiotics before and I never experienced anything from them, I wasn't feeling too weird about it. And I was happy that he prescribed me something so I could feel better because I was feeling sick. Um, and so I went to the pharmacy, got the antibiotic, and I also got some probiotics because at the time that was all that I knew about antibiotic side effects that it might alter your gut bacteria and give you digestive distress. Um, so I took the probiotics and um, took them with the antibiotic and that made, made me feel good about it because I thought, okay, now I'm fine. I'm just taking the antibiotic and then the infection is getting better and then it should be okay. That's all I, um, yeah, all I was aware of. Um, one thing I remember that was a little strange to me um, my doctor, as he was prescribing the antibiotic to me, he was asking me um, if I would still be growing. You know, at the time I was 20 years old, so I said, no, I stopped growing a couple of years ago. And I asked him why he was asking that. And um, hmm. he said, um, there's a couple of studies out where they found that in, I think it was from dogs, actually for, from, from, uh, from some animals that were still growing. They had some cartilage damage and the joints weren't growing properly. And at the time, that made me feel super weird, and I didn't know what to think of that. But since I wasn't growing anymore, I thought I would be totally fine. Um, so my doctor asked me about that, and I thought it would be okay. And then I started taking the first pill um, the same day, and after it only took one hour. And then I felt um, like a very, very deep depression, and I felt like I never had felt in my life before. I felt so so out of it and such had such a dark feeling and felt extremely unwell and I was super spaced out and didn't even make the connection with the antibiotic at all that's how bad I was feeling I couldn't even realize what was going on um later that day I still somehow made it to a Christmas market with my friends and we all hung out there together and I experienced some I remember some very extreme mood swings where I would feel fine one moment and then the next moment, even though I was in a very cool setting, just hanging out with my friends and having a good time, I would that feeling would come up again and I would feel that dark depression and like the super um, weird, weird feeling that I had never felt before. Um, so that was 
yeah, that was something that I had never, ever felt in my life. And I was, yeah, I think my parents were kind of realizing it. But then at the same time, you also always hear that you have to uh, finish taking an, an antibiotic so you don't create any resistance to bacteria. Yes. Um, and the next couple of days, we uh, drove to Amsterdam because that's where we wanted to spend our Christmas holidays. And I just kept taking the pills. And that was the only thing that I had going on at the time. Um, but then after, I think, the fourth or the fifth pill, um, and I started taking them after the fifth pill, um, I got more side effects. Like I could tell my tendons were starting to feel stiff and shortened and they were hurting. Um, I felt extreme vertigo. My neck was hurting and was very painful. And I couldn't eat at all. I had extreme um, stomach pain. Um, and that got to a point where I couldn't get out of bed at the hotel in Amsterdam. And my dad was, and my parents were totally worried about what was going on. And they decided to call um, this medical hotline because all of my doctors were out of office because it was Christmas. Mm. Um, they called this medical hotline and they were um, suggesting I should immediately go to the hospital and have myself checked in there. So doctors should look at me because um, of the side effects that could be you know, possible from taking moxifloxacin. Um, so we drove home and I went to the hospital here in Germany and I started telling the story, feeling terrible. And the doctor didn't do any tests on me. He didn't take blood. He, he did nothing. He just said that he thinks it's, you know, just a matter of a couple of days or weeks until it should go away. He didn't say it was impossible that that's what caused it. Because I think at the time, um, you know, I just had taken it three days ago or a week ago. And then they still said, um, okay. just wait a little bit. And then since you stop taking it, it should get better. Um, I remember asking him because it was the winter, um, can I still go skiing later that winter? Because I had no idea at the time either that it would be a thing that would take such a long time in order to start resolving. And even then I felt like, okay, in a couple of weeks, this might be totally better. Um, but unfortunately, it mm -hmm. got worse. It got a lot worse um, the next couple of months. And... Um, I developed a lot of symptoms. I think I looked at the the list that I, you know, kept continuing on my computer. Um, and it were like 75 symptoms that I had over the last, over the next years. Um, and yeah, I got extreme eye pain. Like when I would move my eyes, I got pain behind my eyes and I started seeing the typical floaters that a lot of floxies experience. And when I would try to sleep, I had those lightning flashes in front of my eyes. Um, and... I felt like I had electricity running through my body and I had chest pain. Um, I had panic attacks. I had severe panic attacks and paranoia. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember in March, I couldn't sleep at all before 5 a.m. in the morning. Like I was laying in bed and I felt like I was, I felt the worst I ever felt in my life by far and I couldn't sleep at all. Um, I get it. I got fatigue and I lost the feelings on my limbs and arms. They would constantly fall asleep. Like I would, fall asleep eventually and then wake up and I couldn't couldn't move my arms and my legs anymore. Um, and that was a very overwhelming and traumatic time for me and my family too. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually my steps went down to 1,000 or under 1,000 steps a day. Um, and I was pretty much spending most of the time in bed. Um, and considering what I had done the year before, I was skiing for a week, I was surfing in Portugal for a week. I was traveling, you know, Europe with my friends. I was partying. I had just had a normal life. And then the next year after I took the antibiotic, mm -hmm. I'm just pretty much bedridden and 
in bed for for months on end mm -hmm. um yeah that was pretty significant and yeah then eventually i found out about this uh, floxy doctor in germany his name is dr pieper and he's in constance in the very south of germany and i think by now he's treated five to six hundred floxies um and they come from all over oh. europe to him and i remember it was a three-hour drive by car that we had to take to get there and it was a insane challenge for me i almost couldn't do it and i felt terrible just sitting in the car for that long and then just had to lay in the in the hotel bed for for the rest of the day after doing the car drive and then i went to him and he was the first doctor to acknowledge my side effects and he um he believed me it was the first one who believed me believed the full extent of everything that i experienced because all the other hundreds of floxies were telling him exactly the same so that was a very good feeling to mm -hmm. finally be acknowledged by a doctor And then, um, yeah, he did some diagnostics with me. There's some mitochondrial diagnostics that, that we did. And he put me on a bunch of supplements. And that was um, the fall of, of 2019. And that's right around that time is when I started to get a little bit better and some of the symptoms dissolved and um, improved. Um, I think he, he puts those fluxing side effects into four categories. There's first the, um, the GABA side effects, like the very beginning, what I was prescribing with the depression, with the anxiety and the dark feeling. That's when um, the fluoroquinolones can actually inhibit your GABA receptors in your brain. And then you're missing this important calming neurotransmitter and your brain is pretty much going crazy and acting totally different than it was before. So that was one thing that I had experienced very severely, um, but that got better after roughly a year. And then the next one I also experienced was the collagen side effects um, where the fluoroquinolones can um, upregulate those enzymes called MMPs and they pretty much start degrading your own healthy collagen and tissue. And that's what makes your tendons hurt. And that's, um, that's when you experience the tendon stiffness and everything. And that's something I still had in 2019 all through, through the whole year. Um, And also, obviously, the fatigue. I had severe fatigue and muscle weakness, and my muscles were, were twitching and were weak. Um, and that's um, the mitochondria being being damaged by, by those drugs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I also had nerve mm -hmm. symptoms, which is the fourth group, where um, I had the small fiber neuropathy, where the, um, my skin was felt like it was burning and I had weird sensations, like just water dripping over my skin, or I couldn't tell if... I would put my hand in hot water and I couldn't even tell the temperature of it. I couldn't tell it if I would touch my hands. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost complete feeling of my, of my arms and of my legs at one point. Um, so yeah, throughout 2019, I was experiencing all of those side effects from all those four groups. Because um, some people only get the tendon pain, for example, and others only get the, the anxiety part. Um, but it's just, it's just different for everyone. Yeah. And I think too, um, you guys were both young and healthy and that was the same with my daughter, um, Charlie and Shay. And I think how many elderly people, um, you know, are prescribed this medication. I know a doctor that said, you know, I went through a journey of trying to convince everybody like you do because it's you, you want the validation because it's so frustrating to figure it out yourself mm -hmm. and then nobody reads the paper and understands. But this one doctor said, you know, I prescribe it all the time, but they're all elderly people. So it's you wouldn't 
they wouldn't even clue in. They would go to their doctor with joint mm. pain. And, you know, you guys kind of made the connection, um, Dana, it, it took longer for you because it wasn't until it really blew up yes. and then you look backwards. Mm -hmm. But like, if you have it and you're healthy and young, and then all of a sudden after a medication, these things all happen, it's, and you read the literature, it's almost textbook. Like what you guys experience is exactly what our two kids yeah. experience. But somebody that's, you know, 75 that goes in and says, I have joint pain in my muscles and my neck. And I'm, I'm, can you imagine how they're oh, treated yeah. and what medications, additional medications they would be or put on? Oh, your med mother's yeah. acting you know? depressed or mm -hmm. anxious. Like, here you go. Take some more. I don't even think it's um, supposed to be prescribed you know, in really the warnings scary. to people over 65. I, in the black box warning. So oh. yeah, but the warnings were not followed. Yeah. It's not supposed to be my daughter. Under the warnings 18 were all in place when my daughter, got she was so young. Um, she yeah. was 13 and she was like a, an athlete and, and pretty much everything that you both have described. She had, I didn't connect the anxiety and the um, insomnia just being scared to be home alone. These things, I didn't connect that. I thought it was because of the, she was experiencing pain and that made yeah. her scared. The way you guys described it, um, you know, how it affects your central nervous system and the GABA that you were mentioning, like it, I made that connection much later. Um, cause in the time you're just living it and, and I feel bad. It, it's heartbreaking to hear your stories. Actually, it brings me almost to tears because, I protected Charlie. She didn't read the information about the people being in wheelchairs and this to have to read it and realize that's actually happening to you and then try and fight to get care. It's so awful. And I know that that is what Heather struggles with because that's what Shay was trying to do is convince his doctors that this drug had done mm -hmm. this, you know, while you're sick, while you're experiencing these symptoms. That's devastating, but it's just so frustrating. And I think these stories kind of just pull back the veil and allow us to see how easy it is, like discussing elderly people who might get this and have these effects. Um, someone younger, like, like you, how easy it is to get in into a health system in which the treatment actually you know, you're having an, an adverse reaction to a drug, you're having a toxic reaction. Um, and then what's supposed to be what the medical establishment believes is your issue or your diagnosis. In many cases, it was in my family, the, the, the treatment killed my son in both respects. And first getting the high, high dose of Leviquin for, for a preventative measure over a long period of time. They wanted him to take it 40 days. Oh they gave him two 21-day prescriptions, 750 milligrams oh. a day. We know he took it 20 days. 20 days. Um, but his he kept saying it was messing with his mind. He couldn't. He was a, a walking zombie, you know, but he also just had a surgery that he never had before. He never had surgery before, and, and a nasal deviated septum. It's, it's, it's a violent surgery. I mean, they need to break your nose. So, yeah. you know, we're just thinking it's, it's a reaction, you know, to, to just the trauma of having surgery. 
and the the medical institutions make you believe that it's all these other things, but primarily what was really pushed in our circumstances is this whole idea of an underlying illness. He has an, you know, it's an underlying mental health issue. He's at the age where that would present, you know, that's, it, it's not from this drug when it's so clear. I mean, even I, I know both for Lee and Fadi and, um, Dana, this occurred after the labeling. At least you had the labeling on the box, you know, in the States anyways, where you could say, and, and I know Europe is, is at that point too. But um, even though it, the, the labeling wasn't as um, comprehensive as it is now in regard to these issues being irreversible or ongoing after you stop the drug, there was so many testimonials. People have written books about this going back 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's so unfortunate because I think we hit on something so important. There are so many people suffering from this and are being treated for some misdiagnosed ailment that they don't have, mm-hmm. you know, and unfortunately, nine times out of 10, I don't even think it'd be a stretch to say 10 times out of 10, um, the treatment will certainly lead to the worsening of this and a host of other effects or the the treatment kills mm-hmm. somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, this is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Just so frustrating. And, and the other thing about it that's so insidious about it is some people never know. Yeah. Yeah. They never even know this was the issue. This is not rare. People don't know. People are being told it's, you know, it's this or it's that. It has nothing to do with that drug. That's what makes it rare. What's rare is somebody in the health, um, a health provider actually acknowledging and listening to someone. That's what's rare. Not the instance of these reactions. And, and the reporting of it, as we've discussed in other, other podcasts, the reporting of it. Yeah, I'm curious with both of you, um, and I know that you're not, you know, you'll tell us how you're feeling today. And a lot of people say that they don't completely heal. Like I would say my daughter, you know, is definitely not 100%. But what what was it that you think worked to um, make you to improve? What was there something that you did that helped? And we're not giving yeah. medical advice on this. Yeah. We're just, no, yeah. we like to share what what work for you might not be for everybody. I know for us, a lot of it was um, with Charlie because of the gastrointestinal issues. It was a lot of like really clean eating. Like until now, she doesn't eat non-organic meat um, uh-huh. just because of the risk of the antibiotic being in the meat. Um, but it was a healing through food a lot with us. But I'm just curious what, what worked for each of you. Um, I guess I don't know what to pinpoint it to exactly. Um, I think it was in June of 2020, you know, in our, if there's anything I've learned, I mean, I've learned a lot through this entire thing, but it's just how insanely powerful our bodies are. They, our body's constantly working to repair itself and, you know, there's things you can do to assist it, but as we know, and you guys know with this, there's no, no one thing that can help. But um, 
I know it's different for everyone. I just started noticing in June of 2020 that I was able to stand a little bit longer. I could stand for 30 seconds at a time and then a minute at a time, then five minutes. And then I started taking steps and I was able to leave the bedroom. I remember the first time I went out and felt the sun on my skin in, you know, almost four years. And it was just the most amazing feeling just to be outside again, you know, breathing fresh air. And um, I feel like that once I got that momentum, like, okay, my body can do this, you know, we can, it can get better. I just was able to do a little more and more from there each day, even though I still hadn't couldn't, I, I still hadn't left the house yet. I I didn't even leave the house or go some somewhere else until this past May. So it hasn't even been that long since I've been back out experiencing life again, I guess. But um, I think um, what I can say helped is just, you know, getting lots of sunlight. I, you know, I was only eating a certain amount of foods because I have a very restricted, limited diet. So just um, eating as best as I could, I'm sure, helped. Um you know, and then I met Faraday. <laughs> um, I love this. Um, I. Why don't you guys talk about that a little bit? And that might be a good lead in about how you two met because you were, you know, across the world from me. Yeah, I, um, I had been off social media for years. I couldn't handle it. I, it was too hard for me to see pictures and stuff of people just living and enjoying their lives. I just, I stayed off of it. Um, and then in September of 2020, I wanted to create an Instagram account for, to share my flossing experience because I saw there was a large group of community on there, people who had been affected by these drugs. And Mm -hmm. so I just created a Instagram account. And then, um, We don't know who started following who, I think, but then um, he ended up just sending me a message, a personal message on Instagram that was very nice and said, I'm so sorry to hear what happened to you and just shared a little bit about what had happened to him. And then, yeah, I mean, I felt the need to talk to people who can relate too. And I was fine, you know, Instagram had a small community, community of floxes at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's how we connected. And I think we started off talking about floxing mainly and comparing what we've been through and what we experienced and what we helped us, what had helped us. And then we also find out, found out that we're both into music. And that was like the number two topic that immediately came after that. And we started talking about music a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's how we first, first connected and started talking back in 2020. Yeah. So you're a musician also. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say that's probably really an, an important piece of this, though, because so often it frustrates me there's not more research because I have met so many people who've experienced what Charlie, um, after Shay's death, what, what Charlie went through, what you two have gone through. You're so articulate. You're so in tune and aware of what's going on in your body. Shay was that also. He knew. If there was just some research, I mean, this is all important information where there could be more research going on to see what can or can't help people in this situation. But I would assume having this community, um, and that's something Shay never had, but you also discuss, well, I've tried this or this didn't work. That's a huge part because a large part of this 
it appears to me when things go really south is when there is the presence of treatment, but not for the underlying condition, not for the toxic um, reaction you're having to the drug, but for whatever it's contributed to in terms of a medication or a treatment from a health provider um, outside of that, whether it's a mental health issue or what, you know, those seem to be the situations where things really get horrific quickly. Um, But I would think that would just be so, I mean, I think that could have saved my son's life if he had this type of community um, to check. It's so important. It's so important because, you know, and that was a huge thing with him. I mean, you know, we were just talking as friends and people who had both suffered from this reaction. And I mean, he was so helpful, the stuff he was suggesting to me. And I just felt like you knew so much about it, just, you know, much more than I had known at the time. And he was always offering things to help. And that was so helpful. And just, you know, kind of supporting each other. And you need that support when you're going through and just to have that support from somebody who knows what you're experiencing is, you know, that was so important. Yeah. I I think that's so valuable. I think it's, um, it, because so many of them people that have been harmed by these medications haven't been validated often by their families. It sounds like you both have very supportive families, but you hear those stories where, you know, I I know one girl, um, you may know of her who's not with us today, but, she struggled. Um, you know, your, your own family members don't believe what's going on. You know, am I making these conditions up about my daughter? Like, am I over-exaggerating? You know, like who wants their kid to be sick? Who wants to be Mm -hmm. sick? But to find a community that's going, it validates that this is actually a real thing and it's really happening. And also to share like what has helped. And, you know, that's sort of been my mission is anytime I see somebody on the Facebooks or the Instagram that's reaching out with like, what can I do? Like uh, I'm very quick to help as much as I can. This is what worked or just to support those people. Like it is a real thing. What you're experiencing is real, you know, it's, it's so important. I think actually it's just, it's something that I don't even think people going through this, you know, realize how important that is sometimes. And we've both been so lucky because our families have been, I mean, I I never would have gotten through it if I wasn't able to stay with my family and they were supporting me. And, um, but I, I just think, um, having that, you know, and then when eventually in December of last year, he felt he was well enough to get on a plane and come to the United States <laughs> for the first time, um, which was a huge We deal all follow you he, on Instagram. You know, they're like, we're like living for <laughs> <you. I'm> like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that was huge. I mean, neither of us can still take that many steps. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was able to use the airline assistance, which took him through the whole airport. And yeah, even in December of 21, my radius was still very small. I, you know, was able to go out of the house a couple times a week, maybe do, do a couple of small things, visit my grandma, for example, but I hadn't done much more than that besides visiting, you know, doctors and like Dr. Pieper, for example. Um, so flying to you was a huge step for me and I was very scared of it. Um, 
but luckily there's something called the air, just airport assistance that takes you on the wheelchair that, you know, my biggest problem too is with taking many steps. And so that helped with that a lot. And then I just went on the plane and somehow made it. And that was such an accomplished feeling. And after that, I feel like, you know, I was able to fly to the US and then what else? I mean, I can do anything now pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It was such a good good opportunity to get some trust back into my body because you're on the on the airplane in the middle of the ocean. You feel like no one can help you now. You just need to get over it yourself after all those years where you just lost all the trust in your body. Yeah. But once I landed there, I regained a lot of it and that was very helpful too in that sense. Yeah. And then he, you know, I still hadn't left the house at this point. So he started encouraging me and taking me on just little drives where I would get in the, my parents live in this like little cul-de-sac type thing. And he started encouraging me to sit in the car and just, let's just go like around the small circle, you know, let's just practice getting in the car. And, you know, we did that the whole time he was visiting and I started to get more comfortable trying to do stuff like that again. And I felt my body getting stronger, my legs getting stronger. And, um, and then he ended up coming back to visit again, um, this last May. And, you know, he, I had practiced a lot with the vagus nerve stimulation, which I feel helped me just stimulating your vagus nerve, which, you know, controls so many bodily functions. Um, I feel it was helping my breathing and, um, he had tried the parasym device, which is something that they don't have in the U S we can't get it here. And he brought it and I started using it when he got here in May and I started noticing I was improving. Um, just this last May, I was able to go to my sister's house and see her house. I had never seen her house. She lived there for two years. Um, what is so, that device? Can I'm not familiar. Can you talk a little bit about that? Or yeah, it's a little it's a little uh, medical device. It's only available in Europe. I think the FDA didn't uh, approve that yet. Um, and you clip it on your tragus mm-hmm. that's here in the ear, um, and it sends electrical stimulation to your ear. And actually, behind the ear, there's a branch of the vagus nerve mm-hmm. that goes uh, through your whole body, and you know. Uh, it's important for your organ function and for your whole nervous system, for your parasympathetic nervous system. And um, with that device that's attached to the to the vagus nerve, you can actually stimulate it and make it function better. Um, and there's actually a paper on it um, talking about how phloxes might have vagus nerve dysfunction. And the paper you post that, yeah. Yeah, if you give us that. Yeah, and the paper suggests that. Um, that might be something that uh, Floxies could benefit from. And that's that's why I got it. And I felt like it helped me too in ways. Um, I didn't see a you know crazy improvement after it, but I feel like I, it calmed me down and it made me feel a little bit better and got me into the parasympathetic state, which I still str- uh, struggle to get into a little bit. Um, and you're able to support that function with the vagus nerve uh, stimulation. And um, yeah. I, I noticed from using it just for a few weeks that I, I was able to go and do things. Um, I was able to go to the city and we went and visited there. And then, you know, when he was here, I just, I never felt like I would be well enough anytime in the future to be able to come here to Europe and visit here. So just the fact that I'm sitting here right now and was able to you know, I use the airline assistance also and was able to get on a plane and fly here. It's been miraculous. And I 
I, I never imagined I'd be able to do something like this. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah. So wonderful. And that makes sense with that device because what we see, especially on the labeling, and I know we fought, um, and, and um, Dr. Bennett, who will be a, a guest on this podcast, but I know he's been real persistent with the um, citizens' petitions to the FDA in regard to, right now the labeling talks about central nervous system, you know, damage, but a lot of times that doesn't um, strike someone has the neuropsychiatric issues that, you know, the, you know, these, the panic and the anxiety, mm-hmm. um, which Chloe, we talked with Dr. Healy about akathisia, which is, can be induced by different medications. And I like the way, you know, we try to, um, be polite about it and call it an adverse effect. You know, he said something in his podcast that you were poisoned, you were poisoned. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is yeah. this, this is a poisoning. When, when when he would talk about my son, um, he was one of my son's experts in the court case, is mm-hmm. that, you know, this was a, and that really puts it in perspective. You know, it kind of takes out all these responses of how rare it is or, you know, just so, it's so uncommon that can't be it, you know. It's has not that adverse rare. effect. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. you've lived it. And I'm just so grateful that you could share your story. I want to ask you about something. I know with my, Shay was a musician too. Yeah. And um, his death, you know, when I talk about it, it was tragic, but it was a slow walk. And I think both of you and Lee can, having gone through this yourselves or with a family member, can, can kind of um, imagine what it, would be like to not have anyone to validate this and then be given further drugs and be given a label of being mentally ill. Um, So it was a very slow walk to his death. He became very much different and in the end, you know, somewhat empty Mm -hmm. um, because I, it just, his, his struggling with this was horrific. But I can say when he was making music, those were the few times during those two years where I had him back. And it might even be, you know, just for two or three minutes, but Mm -hmm. hey, mom, can you listen? I just made this beat. Can you listen to it? And he was there. That's so great. So I just, I, I know you two are both musicians. Um, I just, I just have to imagine that that was helpful to both of you to have that connection also, and to be able to produce that type of creativity together while you're coping with this was probably just phenomenal. It really was. And it was a struggle for me. I think just losing my ability to sing because that was always one of my favorite things to do. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to do that for a while. And then, um, you know, we started just recording songs back and forth to each other across the ocean and um (laughs) I I was doing you know I would just be singing just little tiny pieces at a time to record and um I would just be in bed sometimes just doing that but it was just so motivating and helpful just to always be able to have that part of it you know and I you know how much you love music I think just Mm listening to music, playing music, just getting strong enough again to play and sing. And it's just been a great thing. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember in 2019, I also struggled playing the guitar because my fingers were just not moving the way they used to and they were stiff and I couldn't really control them. And when eventually that started getting better, it was the best thing in the world. It was like the best supplement for me, if you will, to play mm -hmm. music and play guitar. And um, that was all, has always been a huge part of my of my healing and even just listening to music. You know, when I would feel terrible and anxious and then I had my songs and I would put them on and they would immediately make me feel better than pretty much any supplement in the world, I would even say. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always been been a big uh, part for me too. And then just doing it with you has been like a very amazing experience, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> I see big things for you too. Yeah. I really do. That's so great. It's so wonderful that you guys have had this horrific life-changing um experience but you know at least have connected over it and have each other's support and the music that you make together and you know not that you would ever not that you would trade what had happened but you know at least it has brought this you know wonderful relationship yeah and, you know we say that too it's I mean as terrible as it has been we mm -hmm. never would have met if you know this didn't happen yeah for sure never <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think what's important for all of us to remember too you know i don't i don't have shay with me anymore but now what i could do is tell this story and i know this mm. story lee was in contact with me very soon after you know her daughter had this happen to her and it diverted this whole entry into you know um mental health, Medicaid, other medications mm -hmm. that could have certainly set yeah. her down a path mm -hmm. um, that no one should have to go down to and which is fatal. So I just, you know, for you two, this is, this is wonderful. Um, and I hope that in sharing these stories, the word get, there's hope, you know, mm -hmm. because yeah. I, I really think one of, one of the things when there's no hope, that's when you kind of give up. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. that's when you hear these mm -hmm. these stories like mine, you know, and got to speak out. We got to say, even if people don't want to hear it, I don't know how many times people have rolled their eyes, you know, what, I don't care. Because one person can hear it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it means a lot to us that you guys are doing this and, yeah, you know, getting the word out and helping a lot of people and just... um I know I feel very thankful for that and just what you guys are doing and yeah. me too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very important. And well, we're just, we're just so appreciative yeah. of both of you for sharing um, your experiences. It's probably painful to yeah. talk about it and relive about the worst days and you know, you're still on your healing journey. You're not back to where you hope to be and, you know, hopefully that journey continues for you, but, um, we're really grateful. Thank you. Thank I, you. yeah, I feel, I feel very happy. And, you know, even mm -hmm. if, you know, there's still certain things that neither of us can do, um, mm -hmm. you know, we can't play physical sports or do, but, you know, sometimes it's just, mm -hmm. you know, nice to, you know, we're lucky to have our families and lucky to, you know, they drive us places and drop us off yeah. and, um, yeah, um, <laughs> just, just, you know, doing little things like that. And even if it's not where we were at one point, I, you know, I don't doubt that either of us can 
get back to that and continue to improve. So and there's so much we learned along the way too that we never would have learned or we wouldn't have grown in a way yeah. mm-hmm. if we wouldn't have experienced that. So it's also that mm-hmm. side to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just know your story is going to be an inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, Heather and I just on a final note, like with our yeah. podcast saying, you know, be your own expert. Like, I think we can all say what we've learned is question everything that we put in or on our body, because you can't just take it because it's prescribed. You can't just continue to take it even when you're having side effects because you were told to not stop. Like, you now realize we need to be aware and, you know, we need to research and you guys are so both intelligent and I'm just Mm -hmm. impressed with like what you've learned about this medication and the side effects and what's happened. And, um, you know, and I know both of you and us too, and, yeah. um, are going to be that much more careful mm-hmm. with everything that we continue to take. Mm-hmm. And it's, you yeah. know, um, weighing the risk and benefit at, at all times, yeah. really. Yeah. And there's just, you know, there's more and more research and more and more studies that are being done to learn more about it and more communities out there for, you know, what he's doing now, he's he's helping other floxies. They're doing coaching and oh, wonderful! Um, just helping. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, he's part of. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I can talk. I can talk yeah, about it real wonderful. quick. Wonderful! I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> There's this homepage called FQ Consulting, and it was founded by um, a Swiss medical student who himself had also gotten floxed, and he's about to get his med- medical degree very soon. Um, so he's at the very end of his uh, studies um, and he was coaching me. He opened this site where he would offer help for Floxies. Um, and he was talking to me in 2020 um, in 2021. And then I got a lot of help from him. He knew so much about it and it was amazing to have him to talk to. And um, he got me through this like to a great extent. And then eventually he asked me if I wanted to be part of his homepage too, if I wanted to talk to people and help people in the way he did with me. Um, And I obviously said, yes, I did this um, online course um, on IIN to become a health coach um, last year. And um, yeah, now I'm part of his page too. And we're offering one-on-one consulting for Floxings where we're trying to help them. And we're offering a free monthly support group for people so, so far only in German, but where people can, you know, connect with each other, support each other. And um, just we're trying to create a space where people can talk about their experiences without being judged and where they're understood. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also planning on doing an English one for our American and British friends. <laughs> um, yeah. And Marco yeah. will also host mindfulness courses there to help with uh, stress management and pain management. Um, and we also founded this Instagram site for the, for the homepage where we're trying to raise awareness and, you know, educate people on the side effects and just, um, spread the word and help people that need the help because there's not a, mm-hmm. not a lot of places where people can go, um, to get We'll help have to put all that moment. on our, um, website because we're getting a lot of, um, I know Lee can attest to this too, but people are emailing us with questions. It would be nice to be able to give them a resource mm-hmm. such yeah. as that. Yeah. 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 They have the um, free support, free support groups for so you know anyone that wants to join and just if they don't have a you know don't have the family support or the community just where they can yeah. connect with other people. This gives me a lot yeah. of hope though because I know um, Lee's daughter is going to is in medical school 
um, Riley. Yeah, they're in Australia. Oh, yeah. So maybe we won't change this system right now, but it's coming. And with with organized groups like Patty <laughs> and and you know Dana being giving this outreach, I mean, this is what it's going to take. You know, it's just really going to take getting mm-hmm. out there. In Charlie's case, infiltrating yeah. it. <laughs> she'll be. She'll be. Yes. I have no doubt. She'll be a doctor who will live. That's so great. Well, this was just a wonderful chat. I I thank you two so much for being with us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing what you're doing to help all of us. And yeah, mm-hmm. we're trying. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of No Risk. And remember, being your own expert is the best way to prevent yourself or your loved one from being harmed. And please join us for future podcasts and help support us by subscribing, providing some feedback, and of course, giving us a five-star rating. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at No Risks and check us out on our website at norisks.org where you can read our stories, suggest future topics, and share your stories.